Hello everyone, my name is Reese Garlinski and this is Young History, episode 99 on Belarus. The capitalist country is Minsk, and the name comes from the term Belarus, which means White Russian. The name White Russian can be traced back to the times when Kievan Rus was divided into several principalities, with different territories eventually evolving into separate countries, which became Belarus and Russia. And the term White Russian was used to distinguish this northern region of the Kievan Rus from the larger entity centered around Kiev. And... Red Russia, or Black Russia, referred to the different ones, so the colors white, red, and black were used not as ethnic labels, but as geographical marks to differentiate the different parts of the Kievan Rus state, so White Russia was Belarus. Belarus is one of the most heavily forested countries in Europe, with about 40% of its land covered by forests. The country's pristine wilderness is home to diverse wildlife, including rare species, including the European bison, wolves, lynxes, and even more. The Church of St. Simon and St. Helena, located in Minsk, is the largest surviving wooden church in Europe. The Belarusian language uses Cyrillic script with some modifications, and it has its own unique version of the alphabet known as the Belarusian Cyrillic script. Potatoes are a staple food in Belarus, and the country is often jokingly referred to as the land of potatoes. Belarusians have a deep affection for potatoes in dishes like the danki, which is potato pancakes, or kolduni, which are potato pancakes. And that pretty much gets us to, you know, the end of the little facts and stuff that I always kind of like to do. And... You know, we're going to get into it. So this country is definitely a very unique history. It gets a lot of, definitely gets overlooked a lot because its name means white Russian. And when people figure that out and kind of see where it is and hear about what's going on with it politically, they tend to kind of just put it in this box with Russia and just say it's like kind of a sister of Russia, like a little same thing twin. But that is not the case. So we are going to explore all sorts of things about this country, the history, how it developed, and some things that are going on with it right now. So... Hope you guys enjoy, and one more time, my name is Reese Karolinski, this is Young History, and this is Belarus. The Belarusian region has a long history of human settlement. Archaeology has shown that there was life here during the Paleolithic and Neolithic times. The area was one of the earliest places to be inhabited by Slavs who settled there between the 6th and the 8th centuries CE. The early Slavic tribes, the Dragovici, the Ladmici, the Krivici, and the Drevlanin, had formed local principalities such as those of Pinsk, Turowa, Polatsk, Slutsk, and Minsk, all by the 9th century. Being so close to the Dnieper River and other major trade routes made it so that even in the early history of this nation, it was constantly seeing an influx of outsiders and goods pass through its region. In the 900s, different small duchies and other provinces were formed here. The most important was Polotsk, which was a principality of Vikings in its early days. By 988, it had become part of the Kievan Rus, which was a unity of different Slavic principalities in the south. It was also in this year that Christianity was officially spread throughout the nation. Eventually, it was passed between Novgorod to the north and Kiev in the south. The region was power shifting back and forth between the two over the next few decades. Rogvalad was the first duke that we know of that ruled over a more autonomous Polotsk. He helped establish a more legitimate government within the region, and he oversaw many beautification projects. One of them was the building of the St. Sophia Cathedral, which is one of the oldest Orthodox churches in the world. There was regional conflict during this rule, but most things were going very well. However, upon the death of Rogvolod, the unity of the principality began to split. Veselov emerged as the next strong duke to unite the people. He reigned from 1044 to 1101. His 57-year rule would end with him dying as a ruler. But this would not be until after he influenced the nation in many ways. He continued to build up different parts of the city. He tried to advance the government in general 
ways, and he dealt with many regional conflicts that left Polotsk as the most powerful region. However, his death left a lot of internal conflict between his sons for control over the nation. This fighting would go on throughout the century and would have Belarus become a very vulnerable state because of the fact that so much fighting was happening that it now was very instable and couldn't fend off against greater powers. And this would become very prominent in 1307, which was when the Grand Duchy of Lithuania took power over the land and encapsulated all of it into its realm. The regions of modern-day Belarus were known as Ruthenian lands, or Ruthenia, and they played a crucial role in the duchy's expansion and development. By the late 1300s, the Grand Duchy of Lithuania adopted Christianity, which became one of the dominant religions in the region. This religious affiliation further connected the Belarusian lands to the broader cultural and political landscape of Eastern Europe. One of the significant events during this period was the Union of Krewo in 1385. This was a dynastic union that linked the Grand Duchy of Lithuania with the Kingdom of Poland throughout the marriage that occurred between Yogalia and the Polish queen Jadwiga. The union laid the groundwork for further political and cultural integration between Lithuania and Poland. The Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth became officially created on July 1st of 1569 when they agreed to the Union of Lublin. This made them the largest and most powerful entity of Europe at the time, and life under the Commonwealth was brutal for most Belarusian people because they were used as the labor force. They also had to handle the many times that their cultural freedoms were stripped and they were forced to be more Polish or Lithuanian leading depending on where they were. The Commonwealth wanted low national pride across their territory, so they enacted a lot of laws that restricted the use of the Belarusian alphabet and Belarusian speech in any official setting. Russia and Sweden both invaded the land of Belarus to do battle with each other, and then another war happened in 1654 known as the Russo-Polish War, and the fighting lasted for 13 years until 1667. This war was horrible for Belarus because fighting was across the nation. Belarus became the site of many massacres and brutal diseases that spread across the land. This war slash time period was known as the Deluge, or Great Flood, because of all the suffering that flooded the land. The period from the Commonwealth to the Deluge resulted in 50% of the population in Belarus dying in some way. The early 1700s witnessed a series of wars that had profound impact on Belarus. The Great Northern War was fought from 1700 to 1721 and involved the Russian Empire, Sweden, and other European powers in the area, like Lithuania. And Belarusian territories became great battlegrounds once again. They experienced massive devastation and a lot of shifting allegiances within their country to try and figure out how to get by. The Treaty of Nystad was signed in 1721, which ended the Great Northern War, and it resulted in the cession of several territories in the region to the Russian Empire. As a consequence, Belarusian lands in the West now fully came under Russian control. The partitions of Poland happened throughout the later half of the 18th century. The Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth faced internal instability and external pressure from neighboring powers in a series of partitions. Belarusian territories were divided up between Russia, Prussia, and Austria. The first partition occurred in 1772, and Russia annexed significant parts of eastern Belarus, including major cities like Minsk, Mogilev, and Vitebsk. The second partition occurred 22 years later, in 1793. The Russian Empire acquired additional territories in western Belarus, including the areas around Grodno and Brest, and the third partition, which was the last one, occurred in 1795. It led to the remaining parts of the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth being absorbed by Russia, erasing the state from the map, and now Belarus was fully under Russian control. 
During this period, the Russian government implemented policies aimed at assimilating Belarusian culture, language, and identity into the Russian imperial framework. The Russian administration discouraged the use of the Belarusian language and promoted the Russian language as the dominant medium of communication. The imposition of Russian cultural norms and the suppression of local traditions had a lasting impact on Belarusian identity. Economic and agricultural reforms under Russian rule started to occur. These include things like new farming techniques and land management practices being introduced, and these led to an expansion of agriculture and the development of the country's agrarian economy in ways that it hadn't seen before. Despite the Russian rule, there were occasional uprisings and revolt by the Belarusian peasants and nobles against the imperial administration of Russia. One notable example was the Kosciuszko Uprising in 1794, which was a broader rebellion against the Russian influence in Polish-Lithuania, but that didn't really go that well, and eventually it was kind of silenced. And this also wasn't helped because the Commonwealth was officially ended in 1795 when the land was split up between Prussia, Austria, and the Russian Empire for the last time. The area that we call modern Belarus was now having new things placed upon it by the Russian Empire. Russia wanted to reinstate Orthodox influence in the land because Catholic influence had been over it for so long when it was controlled by the Polish and the Lithuanians. And part of this cultural change slash suppression occurred under Tsar Alexander I, who banned the term Belarusian and used the term Northwestern Territory to describe Belarus. He also banned the use of the Belarusian language in schools, and Polish-speaking politicians were kicked out and replaced with Russian-speaking ones. Despite industrialization that took over the land in the late 1700s and early 1800s, poverty gripped many in Belarus. This led to mass migrations out of the nation into Russia and into the Western world. In 1863, Konstanty Kalinowski led a rebellion to assert the presence of a non-Russian Belarusian identity. This uprising was crushed aggressively by the Russian Empire government. This did not stop the nationalist pride of Belarusians, and then more nationalistic sentiment was founded within the Belarusian people. And in the late 1800s, the Galim were one of the groups to lead demonstrations, and they were students that wanted cultural and political advancements for Belarus as an independent state. However, they faced a major issue with outside interference because the issues brought forth by the students were not prioritized because World War I had begun. After World War I ended, the country saw even more nationalistic movements break out, and the Treaty of Prestislav that was signed in 1918 officially pulled Russia out of the war and actually gave a lot of Belarusian land to the German Empire. This was when the People's Republic of White Russia was set up, and the republic was officially declared within Belarus not long after the signing of that treaty in 1918. Then, the Treaty of Versailles, which ended World War I, forced the Germans to recognize the White Russian Republic as independent. Belarusian cultural representation began to grow once again, but this didn't last long, as now the reformed USSR had been fully established. The Belarusian Soviet Socialist Republic was declared on January 1, 1919. So heavy, influence, <clears throat> so, heavy influence from the Stalinist regime that killed... Okay. The Belarusian Soviet Socialist Republic was... A, was declared on January 1st, 1919. Heavy influence from the Stalinist regime came into the land. This regime saw anyone who challenged the state be killed or deported, and part of Belarus was divided up as a possession of Poland, and this was one of the things that led to the Polish-Soviet War, which was fought from 1919 to 1920. The land of Belarus was passed back and forth between the two battling powers, and then annexed by the USSR. But it was with the Treaty of Riga in 1920 that Belarus was established as one of the four original Soviet Socialist Republics. World War II saw the invasion of the Germans bring about another era of German occupation in Belarus. 
Belarus was one of the major battlegrounds of the Eastern Theater for World War II. True suffering was seen across all of Belarus as the Nazis destroyed hundreds of towns, killed thousands, and deported thousands more. However, the Belarusians did not take this line down. The Belarusian resistance group, the Belarusian resistance groups formed and fought guerrilla style in the forest, and there was a famous assassin named Yelena Mazenik, who did all she could to kill SS officers. She became famous when she killed Wilhelm Kuber, who was a Nazi general, by sneaking a bomb into his drink and literally blowing his face off. Soviets were finally able to push out the Nazis in 1944, and despite being liberated, the Belarusians had suffered more than anyone else. Half of their population had either been killed or displaced from this war. By the end of the war, even more land was annexed by Soviet Russia. The Belarusian SSR saw thousands of Polish people being deported from the Belarusian territory in order to make room for more ethnic Belarusians and Russians. Despite all the horrible things that came with Soviet rule, it was able to help Belarus advance in many ways. It became a manufacturing hub for the Soviet Union and had constant interaction with nuclear advancements, but this did lead to one horrible event, Chernobyl. This occurred when several explosions triggered a large fireball in a nuclear power plant that blew off the heavy steel and concrete lid of a, con of a nuclear reactor. This and the ensuing fire in the graphite reactor this and the ensuing fire released large amounts of radioactive material into the atmosphere, where it was carried great distances by the wind and weather. Also under Soviet rule, the nation started to gain a taste for independence because Belarus, alongside Ukraine, was granted a separate UN seat despite being in the Soviet Union. Independence came in January of 1990, but Belarus continued to model its system very heavily after the Soviet system that it had just left. Alexander Lukashenko was elected in 1994 and has held power in the country ever since. His regime oversaw the United States Treaty of 1999, which was signed between Russia and Belarus. This led to both nations allowing their people to pass through the borders freely and work within each nation. All this is done while simultaneously maintaining independent status and cultural differences from each other. Lukashenko's regime has also seen many political rights violations and some very shady dealings that have affected other party members. Political freedom in Belarus is very, very low because of the way Lukashenko has ran his nation. This has led to many... <clears throat> Lukashenko restricts any real opposition from rising. There's no opposite political parties, and any elections that happen are very shady and don't really change much that happens in the nation at all. And this has led to many uprisings and protests throughout the past 20 years. However, Lukashenko has made it very clear that he would do anything to remain in power, so he actually got closer and closer to the Russian leader, Vladimir Putin. This led to Russia eventually backing the rule of Lukashenko, and talks of full integration have become a major part of the Belarusian political ongoings throughout the nation. In 2006, mass protests were happening, and they were known as the Denim Revolution. They erupted after the presidential election that was seen as not free and fair in any way, and the government responded with a harsh crackdown, arresting hundreds of protesters and opposition leaders. And this kind of thing continues throughout the rule of Lukashenko and happens even recently as well. Um, in 2011, Russia actually helped bail out Belarus from its financial crisis that hit after the 2008 financial collapse around the world. This brought the two nations even closer and has continued to keep Lukashenko in the pocket of Vladimir Putin. In 2017, protests erupt against a government decree known as the Parasite Law, which imposed a tax on unemployed citizens. This law was later suspended due to public pressure. Belarus and its people have very commonly been seen as a sister to Russia or just a puppet state, and this has been taken personally. Belarus no longer wants that as their outlook. 
Despite keeping extremely close ties with Russia, the nation has seen many steps taken towards diversifying itself. Belarusian is now being taught in schools with the, as the main language, and Russia is being oh my God, Russian is being pushed farther and farther back in childhood education. The desires of Russia that were implanted during the Soviet era are now being pushed out so that more Belarusian-focused goals can be achieved as a separate nation from Russia as opposed to just being one that kind of does whatever Russia says. And then in 2020, Alexander Lukashenko, in 2020, Alexander Lukashenko continued to maintain his firm grip over both the military and the security forces. Used this power to crack down on a massive pro-democracy protest that was sparked by his re-election that happened the year before. Since then, security forces have violently assaulted and detained journalists and ordinary citizens who challenged the regime, much like what happened with Stalin. The judiciary and other institutions lack independence and provide no check on Lukashenko's power. Belarus is an authoritarian state, and that pretty much gets us to the present, where Belarus is an authoritarian state in which elections are openly rigged and civil liberties are severely restricted. The rights of the people are non-existent, and nobody can stand up to Lukashenko, especially with Putin backing his every move, and it is seen as a highly developed country despite its awful political dealings. Belarus's government remains at odds with the European Union due to its poor human rights record and lack of democratic reforms. The EU maintains sanctions on Belarus, officials, and entities, which has contributed to the country's internal isolation. International isolation. And another thing we need to talk about is the kind of effect that Russia's war in Ukraine has had on Belarus. Of course, Belarus is definitively seen as probably the most Russian-supporting country on Earth. They will do anything Russia says, and they will support anything Russia does. And with that, that has led to not only Belarus allowing Russia to use Belarusian forts to launch attacks on Ukraine, but it has also seen the denial of Ukrainian immigrants. It has seen some Ukrainians pushed out of the country. It has seen protests against the war happened both in Belarus and elsewhere, and then the Belarusian government coming in to crush it or supporting the crushing of these protests. And recently, with the kind of insurrection that was about to happen in Russia, where a kind of civil war was about to break out, which we'll definitely get into in another episode, Belarus was fully in support of Russia maintaining power and was one of the main people that negotiated with the leader of the opposition to kind of turn his sights away from Putin and kind of keep the peace between Russia in itself so that Russia can continue to do whatever it wants with Ukraine and internationally. So Belarus is 1000% in the pocket of Russia, despite having its own cultural differences and its internal people being unique and special and great. It definitely politically and government wise is just a little brother to Russia. And that gets us to the end where I always like to leave it with a kind of takeaway our mindset and with Belarus, it's going to be forge your identity. I say this with Belarus because it would have been very easy for Belarus to kind of just blend into being Russia or Ukraine, any of those other sister nations like white Russia, red Russia, black Russia. Belarus very easily could have kind of just let itself go, let its culture be wiped out, stop speaking Belarusian and just speak Russian purely and kind of just become another federation of Russia. It could have happened really, really easy. Another republic of Russia, I should say. But it would have happened like it was nothing. It could have been super easy. Belarus could have not resisted, but Belarus didn't want that. The people didn't want that. They knew they are different. They've heard of their history. They know what they've been through, and they want that represented, and they've developed their own cultures and food and dance and music and clothing and all sorts of things that make up a culture. And despite there being similarities to Russia in some ways and sometimes very, very close similarities, this is a unique nation with a unique people and unique culture. And so they have fought wars and dealt with brutal suppression and Russification to maintain the fact that they are Belarusian and are their own nation and own people. 
I say with you, you should kind of carry the mindset they carried, which was they know what their identity was and they were willing to fight for what that meant to them as their outlook, as everything, as to them and to me, identity and reputation is kind of the most important thing. And if you know what you want, what kind of person you want to be and the identity you want to have, then one of your top priorities should be maintaining it, protecting it, and then of course, forging it if you don't already have it. So I say that with this because 100% it's a great example that Belarus has tried so hard to maintain who it is and you need to do the same for yourself where if you know what kind of person you want to be, be that hard worker, someone who's super disciplined, um, a very loyal partner, any of those things, those take work and those take building up that identity by making it part of your culture and your daily practice and making it a part of you. So I say kind of internalize that with Belarus and really try and figure out who you are and look at how they've done it. Think about the fact that if this whole nation can do it, you can definitely do it with whatever your problems you have because they're surviving, getting shelled and fought and having their culture literally crushed by other greater powers where you are probably just fighting a battle within yourself or against some stupid friends you have. So look at this history, take it in, and hopefully it helps you find who you are because nothing is more important than figuring out who you are. And that gets us to the true end where, you know, this is a very unique country. It gets a lot of bad rep. It goes through a lot of struggle, but despite its very tough political setting right now, it is a great country of people that are unique and have fought hard to maintain their uniqueness. And no matter what political dealings and government this country is under, one that I don't support personally, and most people don't, the people here are still special and they're still dealing with things that we're all dealing with, except they're in a very tough regime. So being educated on that and seeing the difference between not only the way this government developed, but the people within it is very valuable. So I'm so glad you were all here for this and I'm so glad you watched. So thank you for that. And just one more time, I wanted to say, I very much appreciate you all watching. And my name is Reese Karlinski. This is Young History. And that was Belarus. You guys have a good one.